Hello, this is Dave, Race Reflections podcast producer, with a quick note about the sound in this episode. For those of you that remember previous episodes where you could hear Ghislaine's cat or kitten initially in the background, which was both lovely and charming and a strange juxtaposition to the content of the episodes, this episode features a dog in the background. Because the dog is just background sound and not really a part of the episode, I just wanted to flag it up so you understood what those sounds were when they came into your ears. My name is Janedra Sykes, and I am the Membership Engagement Coordinator at Race Reflections. I'm also a consultant and a coach. Today's topic is whiteness, white supremacy culture as narcissism, and working with that in nonprofit culture. When I think about this topic, I first got interested in it several years ago after I had been bounced out of a white-led feminist liberal organization primarily for challenging its policies as it pertained to child protective services. So I was restructured out. So after I left the organization, I really kind of got in touch with what I wanted to do, where I was in my life, and this overriding feeling of being tired. I was incredibly exhausted after that experience. So I was in this position where, you know, the ancestors, the spirit, life had kind of laid me down and really gave me time to think about what had happened to me. I started to think of racism through a public health lens, start to think about the black women in my life that died early or had a series of chronic illnesses that were really hard workers and just kind of broke down. And so I came across this concept of weatherization, which is a public health term in America that connects black women's poor health outcomes with the constant slights of racism that we experience every day. So my primary reason for doing this work is to save my own life. Basically, my high yellow black ass life is why I do this work. And when I present, train, educate on it, it's in mind with black women as my primary audience to share my experience, share my tools, share what works for other folks, to give us a toolkit so we can navigate these environments with more freedom and to protect our peace. You know, I I really like Christina Sharp's concept of anti-Blackness being the climate in which we live. And I just think that's such an apt metaphor because it's around us in different degrees all the time. So using narcissism as a lens for dealing with whiteness in the workspace has been very helpful. When I think of narcissism, I think of how 
a requirement of whiteness is for it to be centered at all times. It's goals to be prioritized at all times. It's requirements to be met at all times. And it's a one-way street. Nothing's giving back. It's about extraction. And I think about a client that I had once that was a Black-led organization that had a relationship with a white-led organization. And these were all women. And the white organization was tied to a big university in the area and got this big chunk of funding to be what they called a backbone agency, which is to kind of administrate this big group of money and kind of work this public health initiative in a community of color. So this black organization did a subcontract with them, an MOU, for a nominal amount of money. It was very clear what the Black organization needed to do, and they honored their request. Then came a series of meetings with the white organization that I sat in on and kind of watched from a distance where they wanted the Black organization to do more without compensation. And the Black organization said, no, we've met the conditions of it. And the white organization kept saying that, yeah, we know you did, but this is what we need. This is what has changed. This is what we need. Black organization, well, I know you need this, but we've done our part and we're not going to do any more. So it took about three meetings for that to kind of settle in. And what was interesting is the white organization felt that their needs were the priority and offered the black organization not more money, not compensation for their time, but exposure or the opportunity to be a part of a larger grant in the future. And in the narcissistic world, that's called future faking, which is offering something as payment that may not happen ever and kind of keeps you on the hook. So I kind of watched this dynamic and I realized that how common it was. The priority was the need of the white women in that exchange and the black women were expected to meet their needs at a cost of their own. So that's when that kind of narcissism thing kind of clicked for me. Fortunately, this Black-led group had some political power that they were able to resist it due to several relationships they had outside of the white organization. But through my career, I've seen Black and Indigenous people of color-led organizations submit to this pressure because they ran the risk of being blackballed, being seen as a community organization that, you know, wasn't a team player or was uppity or the hard to work with piece and kind of submitted to that, you know, for a nominal amount of money just to stay in the game. And when I was an executive director of a faith-based nonprofit, I had that same experience. And I described it years ago as the Black, Indigenous, people of color-led organizations within the county that I worked, which was San Diego County, that we were like sharecroppers. 
right? We got just enough from the white-led organizations to survive, but not to thrive. Because the funding stream was about the large organizations that were white-led, gets the chunk of the money because they're trusted by the funding community, which is white-led. And then they have the power to have subcontractors and distribute that. So I distribute and participate in inequitable community relationships. So I see that happen on the organizational level. And I also have seen that happen on the one-to-one level, working in a nonprofit as a Black woman, where the expectation is, you know, I had a friend once tell me, I didn't know that on my job description responsibilities that I am required to be everyone's friend, right? So the Black women in the organization are consistently expected to be happy and joyful and overgiving and willing to help out and friendly to everyone. And any transgression on that, you run the risk of white tears, and which may end in a trip to human resources, right? So the strain of rotating around the white woman's emotional needs is draining. The expectation that your work has to be perfect is draining. For example, I've known people that have done, women of color that have done a project and Project's almost finished, it's 80% done, it's gone through all the checks, and at the end, a white woman comes in and finds two or three things that are not materially important, but is aligned with her preferences and makes those changes and takes credit for the work or comes in after a long established process and moves the goalposts, opens the project up again, and there's more unnecessary work that needs to be done. And how draining that is. So when I work with organizations and individuals, I use the tools of dealing with narcissism and some good choices to kind of explore that. There's a clinical psychologist named Dr. Romani. She's on YouTube and she gives you the basics of that. She focused mainly on individual tools you could develop and talks a bit about organizational tools, the things you could do to protect yourself. And those are things like document your work. Those are things like understanding that a narcissist is never going to give you anything back, that you need to find healthy relationships within your organization if you can, and outside it if you can, to give you the validation that every human being needs. How to recognize narcissist moves, the honeymoon period, the grooming, the 
trauma bonding, the discard, and, you know, how that cycle works has been helpful to me and to my clients. And then uh, another resource I'd like to share with folks is Dr. Natalie Martinique. She's on LinkedIn. She has a sub stack, and she talks directly about how to hack narcissism in the workplace, how to deal with bullying, how to deal with those pieces, and speaks directly to how these dynamics can be racialized. I'm very aware that they can be racialized. I have lived experience that they can be racialized. An example of that is, you know, if you're in a toxic work environment that has racialized aspects of it, you're a black woman, you are limited in the ways you could respond to that. So let's take anger, for example. Can't be angry at any moment. But we know that anger, healthy anger, is a natural human response and that it helps us set boundaries. So when the stereotype, I don't know if that's the right word, but when the expectation is that Black women are never to be angry or show any kind of annoyance in the workplace, when that's operationalized, she is left defenseless right? No boundaries. Work is extracted from her. She's emotionally exhausted doing the emotional work of other folks, you know, white women coming up to her for validation themselves, for comfort themselves, for emotional work themselves, kind of the mammy dynamic in the workplace. And the lack of upward movement, because if you're in that mammy archetype, you're supposed to be happy where you are, given to them because they let you in the house. So how to deal with those dynamics, how to deal with that trauma, how to deal with intergenerational trauma. I mean, when we look at our families and how our Black female relatives kind of survived that system and the scars they have from that, it's important to look at. So looking at white supremacy, whiteness through a narcissism lens will give us some tools to deal with it in the here and now and some tools to do our maybe, and like in my case, some family of origin work or in the here and now go to get therapy to work through those workplace issues. So I, I have found that really helpful. Whiteness as narcissism is not new. In the 1970s, a black psychiatrist out of Chicago named Dr. Carl Bell made the connection between whiteness and narcissism. Back in the day, W.E.B. Dubois talked about it as well. It's not a new concept. And I think it is worthwhile to explore it because it does a few things. One, it depersonalizes it. It gives us some distance. We understand that it's a thing. When we're able to name it, it loses some of its power and we get some of our power back. One of the moments that I have over and over again, I'll be talking to the leadership of an organization and to a client and I'll just name the dynamic. And nine times out of 10, I get, yeah, that's right. That's exactly what happened. Like, how'd you know? And my response is, this happens everywhere. 
these are like social scripts that are all around us. There's nothing new about this behavior. It is as old as America is. And when people realize it's not just them, that it's a systemic social thing, it frees them up to do some work on it, to navigate it better, to find places of respite, to bond with others that are on the same journey. And that is the goal for us to increase our levels of freedom from that rotational pull that white narcissism requires. So I hope this is helpful. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me at Race Reflections. And thank you for listening. Subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to send us queries, questions and dilemmas to be reflected on, please email at work at racereflections.co.uk.